This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. November 8th. That is the day the U.S. border will open to non-essential travel for double vaccinated Canadians heading into the United States. Uh, We're starting to learn some of the details about how it's going to work. You won't necessarily have to produce proof of vaccination on November 8th. You'll be asked and you'll have to say, yes, you are double vaccinated. And some people will be selected for random screening. Now, if you are driving or taking a ferry, you don't have to have a negative test to get into the U.S. If you're flying, you do, at least at this point. Um, To come back into Canada, you still need to have the negative PCR test. So, um, It's a work in progress. What about mixed doses? Blah, blah, blah. Still a lot of questions that remain, uh, but we at least have a date, November 8th. But the question is, if you look at the way the border situation throughout COVID has been handled, it really seems like there hasn't been a lot of cooperation between the two countries. The U.S. has done their thing. Canada has done their thing, which is a pretty big departure from the way things typically have gone. So let's chat a bit about that now with Edward Alden, who's a visiting professor of U.S.-Canada Economic Relations at Western Washington University and author of The Closing of the American Border, Terrorism, Immigration, and Security Since 9-11. Mr. Alden, thank you for your time today. appreciate you joining us. You bet. Great to be with you. Thanks. You know, taking a look at this situation, lots of things have been mismanaged throughout the pandemic. There's no question. You're sort of learning as you go. But we can definitely put the border on this, that list where things have been confusing and a bit of a mishmash, which is really it's a departure from the way things have always worked. A very long-standing partnership seemed to have gone out the window in some ways. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. And it was it was quite shocking in many ways because it just is a long history of close cooperation at the U.S.-Canada border. It doesn't mean Canada and the United States always see eye-to-eye over all these issues, but, but there was uh, shared commitment uh, to a highly functioning land border, given its importance to trade and importance to, you know, especially Canadians living so close uh, to the border with the United States. So, yeah, this was this was a, a major, major departure from uh, from that longstanding practice. You know, most recently, I think 9-11 was the last major bait, uh, border closure, and it was done very quickly, almost in a scramble-type situation, much like this was. But at the time, it seemed the two governments worked together on this. Is that fair? Yeah, no question. And they really resolved it quite quickly. I mean, there were a couple of days of long backlogs. The border was never actually closed as such. There was just this extremely high level of scrutiny that produced huge backlogs, particularly for trucks and commercial traffic. But within a couple of days, partly because the big three auto companies and others were screaming, the two governments sat down and said, we had to figure this out. And then over the next several months, at the highest levels of both governments, I mean, John Manley at the time, I think he was the deputy prime minister under Jean Chrétien handling it for the Canadians, Tom Ridge, the Homeland Security advisor at the time handling it for the Americans, you know, they hammered out this elaborate smart borders accord in about three months. So it was a, it was top of mind priority for both governments. Again, very different uh, from what we've seen uh, under COVID. Why do we think that is? Why was that partnership not leaned on as it has been in the past this time around? Yeah, it's a great question. That I, I don't feel like I have the full answer yet. I think historians are going to be talking about this for a long time. Some of it, I think, was clearly the fact that Donald Trump was president in the United States. And Trump's approach to COVID was so cavalier, 
so little based in, in the science, such as it was at the start of the pandemic, that I think there was this kind of collective horror on the Canadian side. And once the initial agreement was made in March, and it was, it was a reasonable precautionary agreement in March 2020. Remember, everybody was locking down. Right? Yeah, we were yeah. all being told to stay at home. So nobody would say, oh, that's ridiculous. We just lost Edward. Um, when you take a look at, I mean, sure, at the beginning, and I think a lot of Canadians really felt that the situation that was going on in the United States was uh, out of control. You know, you remember what was going on. It started in Washington State, then it was in New York State, and then um, people were really concerned about what was going on in the States, and I think they were okay with the Canadians keeping the border closed. But now you move into the Biden era, and just this summer when Canada decided to reopen the border and the U.S. didn't, I think it was pretty surprising. Okay, I think we've got Edward back. Hi, Edward, we lost you for a second there. Glad you're back. Yeah, hey, sorry about that. No, I was just going to say, you know, in the initial border closure, I think everybody was kind of on board. Yeah. But then the more the U.S. and Canadian approaches to handling COVID diverged, the more conversations about border managers didn't happen, right? The two countries were each going in their own direction, and there just wasn't a whole lot of ground for, for co-op. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Operations. But as we move into, you know, Biden's been in power for almost a year now. And, and, and this summer, I think a lot of people in this country especially were shocked when the Canadians came out and said, OK, we're reopening our border to non-essential travel from Americans. Uh, the expectation was that would be reciprocated. And it wasn't. <laughs> it's taking several months after that. I think that came as a real surprise. And that was Joe Biden. Yeah, it came as a real surprise to me, too. And, and, and the fact that it took so long for any kind of cross-border conversation. I mean, I think a weird thing happened here in the United States, which is, which is that tougher responses to COVID came to be associated with the Democratic Party. And the Republicans were seen, I think, rightly in many respects, as, as being irresponsible on the issue. So, I mean, one of the first things Joe Biden did when he became president was reinstate a travel ban on Europe and, and uh, other places that Donald Trump had been prepared to lift. So I think Biden set himself up as a hawk on the border and travel stuff pretty early on. And then the other the other big problem was what to do about Mexico, because the yes. borders, I mean, you know, from the U.S. perspective, the border with Canada, people don't think about a whole lot of the border with Mexico, people think about and talk about all the time. And and the U.S. closed those two borders simultaneously. And, and, and I think the administration thought, OK, when we move on Canada, we've got to move on Mexico. And for a bunch of reasons having to do with the numbers of people arriving the southern border they didn't want to do that but i, I agree i i had really expected that these these things would happen simultaneously and they didn't and i think it shocked a lot of canadians and, and shocked the people on this side of the border watching it closely so even as we move back to a wide open border and we are slowly but surely um, how important it would it be to have you know just each administration say okay we're going to put together a team that's going to hammer out an agreement that works for everybody here and makes sense i mean is any of that happening because at this point it still seems like canada's doing their thing and the u.s is doing their thing 
Yeah, and I wouldn't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to exaggerate this. It's not going to be a wide open border, right? I mean, you know, everybody coming back into Canada still needs a PCR test, which is, you know, means that... And you you still need to be vaccinated to get across. Yeah, and you need to be vaccinated, right? Which most Canadians are, and but you know, Americans not at, at such a high at such a high rate. But remember, you know, the lifeblood of that border is the day trips, right? The quick drive over to the United States to do a little shopping and get sure. gas. The you know, quick drive in my neck of the woods up to Vancouver to see a show or whatever. People are not going to do that given the testing requirements. So travel will resume, but nothing like uh, it was uh, before COVID. Um, and your other your other point is is that this is still being done. Very much in individual yeah. ways, right? The U.S. doesn't have a very good system set up yet for proof of vaccine. The Canadians have this Arrive Can app that works pretty well. I think there are going to be different rules for children. Um, you know, if you're if you're if you're traveling with with children under 12 to Canada, there are post arrival testing requirements. I don't think the U.S. is going to do that. So there's still going to be a lot of discrepancies, and I don't see any serious effort underway to try to iron those out. I hope they I hope they take that on now, but it isn't there yet. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, maybe we can get back to trans-border cooperation. It seems to make sense. It would make things easier for everybody. But uh, as you say, we're not seeing any indications that's that's being done. We're not seeing it. And the other point I really do need need to stress is that this has been, you know, this has been just so wrenching for so many families, right? There are a lot of cross-border relationships, you know, where you've got couples who are split by the border. You've got, you know, kids on one side and a parent yeah. on the other side. Of course, you've got grandparents and extended family. You have people in close relationships who may not be married. I mean, there were all of of, of these, these families broken up in different ways by the long border closure. And the governments never gave them any real information. You know, I mean, obviously the lockdowns domestically separated people too, but there was always pretty clear communication from the government, right? You know, here's the outbreak. Here's why we're doing the lockdown. You know, as conditions improve, we will ease up. You never saw any of that on the border. Nope. People separated by the border had no idea when things might change, because there was no communication by either of the governments. And so really, you know, really quite disruptive in people's personal lives. Uh, you know, I'm on Twitter with these people all the time, and they're rejoicing today. But but really a lot of devastating stories yeah. about, you know, funerals missed and, you know, not seeing your kids grow up and, and really, really rough stuff. Yeah, it's been, it's been a nightmare, and hopefully we're getting towards the end of it. Uh, thanks so much for your time this morning, Edward. Appreciate it. Great to be with you. Sorry for the interruption. Oh, not a problem. Glad it worked out. Uh, Edward Alden, who is a visiting professor of U.S.-Canada Economic Relations at Western Washington University. And yeah, I mean, it kind of, there's a lot of questions around the way this has gone and what's the reasoning behind it. And as he said, it'll be studied, it'll be looked at, and people will try and get to the bottom of why the two countries operated so independently of each other when in similar, you know, kind of similar conditions historically, it's been very cooperative, and they've worked closely hand-in-hand hand to make sure that uh, they were all on the same page. We didn't see that this time. We're still not seeing that. Um, but as we said, still lots of questions about the border reopening, and we will give you the answers as soon as we get them.